Gluten is just internalized white guilt. This is the absurd journey of three church planners reintroducing familiar ideas in unfamiliar ways. This is the Bless Up Podcast. All right, welcome back. This is the Bless Up Podcast. I'm Rachel in studio with Corey and James, per usual. And Bless Up. I am so afraid of where this is about to go. What do you mean? Um, I just, <laughs> we just I, had a great uh, pre-recording <laughs> meeting. It was okay. incredible. It was I just awesome. want everyone listening to know that we... educated <laughs> by it. <laughs> we have been sitting in this room for an hour and a half. Yes. I don't know if you realize this. We've been sitting in this room for an hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, and just now hit the yeah, record we, button. We low key gotta go. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. It's gonna be like, a short episode because we actually got places to be. I, like. I actually told your mom that I was gonna be home 25 minutes ago. Oh. Uh, and I had, yeah. Did you text her? No, I forgot until just this moment. You should text her. I will. Um, yeah, we've been sitting here for an hour and a half because we've been discussing ridiculous things, uh, in response to this question, this oh, opening question. Um, oh, some of it's a little bit ridiculous. Some oh of the things God. that you just said that made me stop this and hit record again actually are ridiculous. Um, okay, wait. What? So the question. The question that we've been Go talking ahead. about, <laughs> to drag it out even further, the question that we've been talking about is what is something that everybody just accepts is true? That, you're, that a small part of you, whether you admit it or not, a small part of you is kind of like, yeah, I don't know if that's true. Or flip it to the other way. What is something that, like, people don't think it's true but you like totally believe who's going first i mean <laughs> well <laughs> i'll start light and then we can then we can ease, <laughs> then we can ease into this a bit uh, we're not making this an hour and a half <laughs> uh i'll start light and we can ease into this a bit uh i mean there are most, I would say most sports fans don't believe this, but I, I believe this. I believe that Gloria James' son is now the undisputed. Oh my gosh. How did you turn this conversation? Undisputed. This wasn't even talked about what, in the yeah, hour and a half. No. We didn't even go here. Goat. You oh greatest my gosh. basketball player to ever be born of a woman. Breathe and shoot a basketball. Is LeBron Ramon James? I, here's what's sad. Wait, is that his middle name? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know. That. <laughs> what's? Oh my gosh, that's not even. Corey just got so thrown off because this was <laughs> not even addressed. James just went totally. First off, we never script these anyways, but James rogue. did not even drop this. And it's also just not true. Oh but it's no! Not indicative oh, of like, like no. I actually think that there's a really sad contingent. It's sad to me. <sighs> contingent of people who do believe that he's the goat, but I don't because I thought... he's not. And you know what? Oh. How dare you on Michael Jordan's birthday? <laughs> it is his birthday. On Michael Jordan's birthday, how dare you disrespect his airness in such a way, bro? That's wild. We almost went a whole Friday bro, without we were, this. We were prepared to talk about dinosaurs. Oh, we were prepared. <laughs> Listen, I'm still, I'm still going there. I'm still going there. All right. Well, an- then... an- another thing. <laughs> and another thing. I absolutely, positively <laughs> believe the dinosaurs were on the ark. <laughs> 
<laughs> so this is where the conversation went. This dude told me, like I said, I said, you know, I, I feel like I feel like at this point, like we just have to accept that aliens exist. And I'm not talking about. Like, oh, I can't even believe you guys are rehashing this right now. <laughs> Listen, like I think we just have to accept the fact that like there is other life form on par with human life as we understand it in other galaxies. I think we just have to accept that at this point. To which to which you said, I think that would have to change the way that I read scripture. But then fast forward. Why a are you bit, reacting this whole thing? <laughs> because the world needs to know about this. Because oh fast, my forward, fast forward. I'm gonna mute you. I was gonna be nice, but then he played the goat card, and so now we're just going for it. <laughs> but then fast forward, this dude turns around and says that he believes that Jurassic Park actually took place during the flood. No, so my nobody thing, said that. Nobody nobody so thing nobody is, at any point said that i'm gonna mute you it's okay (laughs) that there were dinosaurs on the ark and that doesn't change your reading of scripture in fact you read it into scripture oh my god but if but if 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 there is other life form that changes the the radical reading of scripture two two statements Uh, one one leviathan is in scripture i do not guess i'm isogeting that much maybe dinosaur maybe i'm isogeting dinosaur but i don't know if i'm I suggest the idea that you can't draw out Leviathan with a fish hook. Job is supposed to be set in the days of Genesis. And comment two. I also absolutely positively believe this. Uh, someone told me this when I was a kid. <laughs> it could have been my uncle Mike. Uh, it could have been someone else. I love I love you, Mike. If you're listening, but you're not a credible resource. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a credible source. I love you. I, I do. I know you're not going to listen to this. But you're, not, you're, not, you're not a credible credible source, primary or secondary. But, <laughs> but somebody told me this when I was a kid, that dogs and animals only see in circles. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe it to this day. That they can only, they only, like, they I only see in that. shapes. Oh my gosh. I believe that the reason that your dog wants to bite me is because your dog always sees in circle and square. That's right. We had that whole discussion after yeah. Inside Out came out. We did. Yeah. Uh, and there's the room of circles and squares. Yeah. And tr- oh, yeah. I just, I believe that. I don't know why. I just do. I know no one else believes that but me. I tried to talk to my brother and my cousins, and they'd be like, nah, bro, we don't, we don't remember that. <laughs> like, that's just you. <laughs> Someone told me that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Listen. Oh, man. I, we should have recorded the raw, uncut version of this conversation. No. Okay. No. You, you just rehashed it. Right after we said, okay, we're not going to have that discussion. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I got to hit record because of the time. And then you just did that. That discussion was awesome. <laughs> I just think that I just yeah yeah I just I was prepared to talk about conspiracy theories. Yeah, you I go hold. ahead and tell us about Paul McCartney. Yeah, I think I think Paul McCartney died in 1966. <laughs> I think and that this guy parading around as Paul McCartney is not real. We probably you know what that probably just cost us podcast points. We probably just got like banned from like certain <laughs> platforms because I'm this is not a credible. Well, yeah, but um, no, I, I mean I, I I think I borderline think that I think that you know I have all kinds of conspiracy theories about about a lot of different things but before 
being a conspiracy theorist meant something completely different during the pandemic. I right now you can't. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 I can't identify as a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> Let me just be super clear. We don't. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm not playing that game. I'm not playing that game. But yeah, I was prepared for that. I was not prepared for dinosaurs on the Ark. That one got me. Um, that one got me pretty good. I mean, alligators and crocodiles and things. Listen, bro. You know, dinosaurs. Knows? I don't. Dinosaurs on the Ark, sure and fine, but. Wings over the world, bro. Paul McCartney did not die in the 60s. We don't have the wings over America, wings over the Listen, world. I'm just refer I'm just referring to a thing that was like it was a popular, you know, thing that people debated back in the day of if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. There is like I'm not saying that i recommend all things that you will find in that google search i'm just saying that once upon a time more times than more people than me just being ridiculous on this podcast and answering a funny question uh thought <laughs> legitimately that's all i'm saying bro he he's not trying to tell us anything on the abbey road cover because he's not wearing shoes. i just think that if you look at oh my god the sergeant pepper's uh -huh. album cover you will see plainly written in the flowers. Here lies Paul. I just think that's that not here lies Paul, bro. It, you don't <laughs> He's not wearing shoes on the Abbey Road cover because he was at home. When I'm on Snyder, I don't wear shoes either. It's on at home. I, I just whoa, never made that connection because I only listen to this guy talking about Paul McCartney. I've never heard of that. Yeah, you know, or like he's in burial clothes. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. I just think that isn't it funny that he's the only one around to talk about it now. I just, you know, I I don't know. It's interesting. Oh my goodness. Okay, listen, I'm contributing nothing in response to that question because the two of you have done more than enough <laughs> for all of us. Um but listen, that that question was posed because we wanted to talk about doubt. We wanted to talk about doubt because doubt um, you know, it gets a little bit of a bad rep, I would say, um, you know, especially when it's used as an adjective for some of these, uh, some of the people in scripture, like doubting Thomas, that feels a little bit unfair to call him that. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, doubt is something that has such a negative connotation. It's so often rebuked when we don't believe something, um, it, when we ask questions, it's, it's seem, it's sometimes, it's sometimes portrayed more antagonistically than what we even mean it. We're just, we're just curious. We just yeah. want to know things. Yeah. It's all right. We, we act like doubt cannot coincide or coexist with faith. Right. That if you, that if you doubt, at least that that's the narrative. Like I used to get scared whenever I would hear something and be like, ah, like, like specifically pertaining to the Bible or whatever. And I'd be, I'd be like, ah, I, I, I don't really know, you know? And then I'd like immediately be overcome with guilt and, uh, hear the voice of like good old Sunday school teachers and, you know, be like, Oh shoot, do I not have faith? Father, forgive me. Uh, I pray in Jesus name that, uh, my soul is okay. And that, but the reality is like, <clears throat> there's gotta be room. There's gotta be room for it. You know, there's got to be room for it. There's got to be room for dinosaurs on the ark, and there's got to be room for doubt alongside <laughs> of your faith. You know, that that phrase um, that the church even likes to use, like, have faith like a child. Man, what child doesn't have questions? 
My kids ask so many questions oh, that by the end of the day, I'm like, I don't even know that I want anybody to talk to me anymore because kids ask so many questions. And so, yeah, he I, wasn't talking about Kaylee. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how it's possible Uh-oh. to have faith like a child without asking questions, because I feel like so often like that phrase faith like a child is used because they want to tell you to just have blind faith and not ask questions. And I feel like those people just didn't have kids because faith like a child to me when i look at my kids like they have they have a beautiful faith like they they do believe wholeheartedly in in who jesus is my my first two girls sarah and kaylee they have both uh they've both asked jesus into their heart and they absolutely believe who he is and they have that like faith that that jesus uh, wants good for them and has good for them. But man, they also ask so many questions because they want to know the answers. They're curious. They want to know who God is and, and how he created things and why things are the way. They, I mean, they ask so many questions and I don't look at that as them um, being rude. I look at it as them being curious. And the questions that they ask could absolutely be perceived as doubt but what i want to know is is doubt always bad yeah doubt is interesting when you look at the scriptures because i think growing up growing up in a church but not i wouldn't have called myself a christian like as a kid like or even as a teenager until late in my teenage years when I had a personal experience of my own with Jesus. But growing up in like black uh, Pentecostal fundamentalism, like the apostolic church, what doubt, I think sometimes doubt and disbelief were tied together. So it was doubt. Like if you doubt, then you just don't believe. But I think like to actually look at the scriptures and to look at the Psalms, uh, Mm -hmm. doubt is actually the opposite in many ways. Doubt is something that like is evidence of the fact that you believe like to doubt. Yeah. To doubt in many ways is to say like, hey, like I believe, but I'm struggling with this. Like all throughout the Psalms, 40% of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. Mm -hmm. And in those Psalms of lament, like. David mostly, but the other psalmists are continuously saying, like, hey, God, like, the situation is causing me to, like, lose faith or to to doubt who you are. But in those psalms of lament, what always happens is they fall back to the reality of truth. They fall back mm-hmm. to the reality of, hey, how I feel is like you don't exist, but... What's real is that you do exist and their doubt oftentimes is a gateway to deeper faith versus then a versus a gateway to disbelief. That's such a good phrase. Their doubt was a gateway to deeper faith because that's that's the story that I see so often. I feel like when we when we hide our doubt and we let it fester and and we fixate on it. Instead of trying to seek an answer, we just go deeper in our doubt. That's when it becomes problematic. But when we're honest about our doubt and when we when we lay it out there, when we say it to somebody else, when you when you bring it to the light and say it to the person sitting next to you 
and you allow opportunity for scripture and the Holy Spirit and your community of people to speak into it, so much good can come from that. Like you're saying, like it leads to deeper belief Mm -hmm. so many times. If we treat it well. Right. If we treat it right, you know? Mm -hmm. And I understand like now being a parent, like, like doubt, doubt puts you in the room where you're open to like all the doors, Mm -hmm. right? But I understand being a parent and just pointing at the one door that you know is right and being like, it's that one, bro. And the kid's like, yeah, but what about those other three on the other side? Like, listen, just ugh, let's just save some time. Don't worry about those other three. Let's just let's let's just go in that one. Right. But that's probably like not me handling it the right way all the time. Right. Like, like and that's not to say that we just need to let people be free to, like, explore whatever the heck. But like we need to treat it with more with more um, gentleness than than just like, no, like I, I hear what you're saying, but like, that's not right. You know? Like when I look, when I look at specifically uh, at Mark chapter nine mm-hmm. in the story, uh, in the story of Jesus healing uh, a man whose son is uh, riddled with demons, um, you know, the man, uh, the father of the child, is putting himself in a posture of like, of like, I mean, I believe, but help, like help. He says, I do believe, but help my unbelief, like help my. Mm-hmm. Help, help me help me not really like not really know you know like h- help me with that right he's putting himself in a posture where he's like where he's like ah, dude like I-, I want this and i think it's possible but like i'm not i'm not really sure like where to go from here because your disciples just tried and they didn't really succeed and so like i'm not really sure like what and what happens is jesus is gentle with him yeah like jesus is cool in the dealings with the father he's a little more harsh on everybody else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think like, I think it's the, it's, it's more about like our fear should not come into people noticing that there's more, like there's more to it than the, you know, simplistic explanations we give in a lot of ways. Our fear or our, our, like it should, it should compel us to not be like fearful, but to just be gentle with doubt. Does that make sense? Does that rant make sense? I think so. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And I, and I think even more than that, like what we find in the gospels is like, Jesus is a friend and Jesus is kind and welcoming to those who are in spaces of doubt. I mean, think about Thomas even like yep. Thomas is doubting. And Thomas was like, Jesus, like, I need to see the holes in your hand. Like, Jesus, I need to I need to see, like, yeah. your pierced side. And mm-hmm. what does Jesus do? Jesus shows him. There you go. Yeah. He reveals himself. Uh, to look at other examples, like, when folks are doubting, you got Mark chapter, is it eight or nine? Nine is the one I just referenced. Yeah. Mark chapter nine, right? The man who has faith. Hey. I believe you can, but yeah. help my unbelief. Yep. And what does Jesus do? Jesus. Yep. Jesus helps his unbelief. Yep. Jesus is more upset, like not at the doubt, but Jesus is more upset at like the overtly religious and like dishonest. Jesus yep. is mad at the Pharisees who believe yep. they have it all together. Yep. And who like have missed the essence of actually like needing Jesus. Like, yep. yeah. Again, I think doubt, doesn't mean disbelief 
Yeah, what was the one, what was the one you hit the other day? You were talking about well, you've been talking about Elijah a lot, but you you were talking about, talking Elijah, about Elijah. Elijah and his doubt. Uh, yeah, First Kings nineteen. Um, we talked about it. Of uh, I don't remember before Christmas on the podcast. Um, but the the nap and a snack, nap and a snack, Elijah. Like the whole reason, <laughs> right? Like the whole reason Elijah lands in that situation. You need a nap and a is is doubt. Like Elijah's up on the mountain, and like God performs this amazing miracle to like prove His existence. Where it, so Elijah like makes the altar and he puts the sacrifice up on it, and then just to show how big and how real God is, before he calls down uh, fire from heaven. Elijah soaks the altar in water so that it's drenched and so that it is truly can be argued like the argue the miracle is inarguable when God sends down fire. So so the, this whole thing just happened and then Elijah goes out in the wilderness and is like God I'm done and my life like like take me like let me just die because I'm so I'm sick of these people I'm sick of being here I'm done and he's doubting his purpose. How how does the dude who just like uh, God used him to perform a miracle doubt his purpose? I don't know, but he did, which should be a test like a, a testimony to all of us that like anybody, no matter who you are, can doubt your purpose at any point in time. But Elijah's doubting his purpose, and God dealt with him so gently. He didn't look at him and be like, "You got to be kidding me, Elijah." He, I just uh, did you not say what we just did? like he didn't do any of that Elijah was out there in the wilderness doubting his purpose and being like I actually don't even know that life is worth living anymore and God's like hey here's a place to rest your head here's some food rest and eat and let's talk about this tomorrow mm-hmm. and when Elijah wakes up he realizes like things aren't really that bad like God handled him so gently and to go back to the phrase that James uses all the time, you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Those are the two examples that you guys just gave. Like the character of God and the character of Jesus are consistent with one another. And in none of those instances that we just brought up is doubt rebuked at all. So then what is it? What's the, what is the proper place for our doubt? Like what role does doubt have in our, in our faith? Like how, if like, okay, so I've, you've gotten me to the point of like, okay, it's not bad well what like what is it what do we do with it what is the appropriate response when a small part of us is like ah, dinosaurs on the ark ah. <laughs> oh my gosh why <laughs> we're gonna have to do a whole podcast on dinosaurs on the ark yeah, just because you wait. said that <laughs> to be clear nobody in this room believes that there was a tyrannosaurus rex on the ark like let me just let's just there's, yeah, there's no velociraptor. Right, Corey is making this sound so much worse than any of our offline discussion was. Uh, velociraptor would have ate Noah. Right, just, nobody I said that. Educated. I was just be, trying to be educated, guys. You're being you ridiculous. rose an interesting point. <laughs> You're being ridiculous. Anyways, the proper place for doubt. Um, I mean, this is so, this is such a church answer, and I'm so sorry for this, but I like the altar. Like the 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 proper place for doubt is there. Like that. I mean, I realize that that is like a churchy answer. But listen, go with me on this. So we're gonna go back to First Kings nineteen. Um, in the beginning of that, there is there is all the Israelites who are worshiping the pagan god Baal, and and that's where Elijah comes in, and he's like, "All right, 
let's see what your guy can do. And I'm going to show you what my guy can do. And so he challenges them and he's like, you build your altar and I'll build my altar. You offer your sacrifices to Baal and I'll offer my sacrifices to Yahweh. And we're going to see who the true God is. And, and there on those altars, the proof is given. And, and it's, it's like that worship song says, you know, Tasha Cobb's freaking killing it. And she's like, Hey, uh, you provide the fire and I'll provide the sacrifice. And that's what happens. Um, Elijah provides the sacrifice and he makes space for God to speak to the doubt of everyone present. And God provides the fire. Like, the place for our doubt is the altar because it makes space for God to speak. And that's the hardest part of being, you know, Romans says that we are living sacrifices. The hardest part of being a living sacrifice is that you can crawl off. The hardest part of being a living sacrifice is that you don't have to stay on the altar. You can take it back into your own hands and go get some sticks and some rocks and some matches and lighter fluid because we live in 2023 and you can light the fire yourself. But that's not what happens in First Kings 19. In 1 Kings 19, Elijah makes space for everyone's doubt to be addressed and allows God to bring the fire. He waits. So as a living sacrifice, we've got to drop it there, and then we've got to make the space for God to speak. Because what I see from what, you know, the examples that we just put out there, God's going, he brought, he, he brought purpose to Elijah. He brought promise right to that dad in Mark 9. He brought proof to Thomas. God spoke every time, but they had to create the space for him to do it and then, and then wait for the response. <laughs> Will you create the space? Somebody... Get the offering plate <laughs> so we can leave. Goodness gracious. This is where we're at Thank today. You. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, wow. Lord. Thank you. Yeah. Well, pass the offering plate. Thank you. Pass the plate. Speaking of plates, you said something about rice. Uh, you said something about rice the other day. What? Oh, I was like, that wasn't here. Yeah, no, no, no. It was the it was the other day, and like that, like that imagery though stuck with me though. Like, it was good. It was good. Oh, you want me to talk about the rice? I mean, yeah. Talk All right. About the rice. So, okay. So for y'all who don't know, I Corey, got the app ready. Corey's sister is uh, adopted from Peru. Her name is Ruth Mary, and we love her. And so Ruth, um, well, as you can tell, I, from the way that I'm talking, I'm not from Peru. I'm, in fact, from Canton, Ohio. So, um, you know, I don't cook like I'm from Peru. And she moved in with us. And uh, actually, she moved in with us in March 2020, yeah, right before the shutdown. It was an accident. She needed a spot to stay for like two weeks. And then three days later, the world, the shut, world down, shut down. The world shut down. She ended up with us for like six months. Yeah. So Ruth, My power, Ruth. Yeah, yeah. So Ruth was living with That's us. cool. We ate good. During the shutdown. And um, man, in like the nicest Ruth way, she roasted me for the way that I cook rice. Um, rightfully so, because, all right, so I got a rice cooker and somehow I still burn rice and I don't even know how that's possible. So she's standing with me in the kitchen one day when I'm like, I'm gonna make some rice and I start putting it together and she looks at me and she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm, I'm making rice. And, and all I did was put water and rice because that's how I thought you made rice. 
And uh, and she's like, no. And she literally dumped it out. She dumped out what I had. To which I'm like, we can't even get to the grocery store. You just threw away all this rice. So I'm like panicking in my head. Um, so what she does is she puts all this, she puts the rice in the bottom of this pot. And then um, she like takes water and starts uh, pouring oil on it. And I'm like... Why would you not? Why are you putting oil on the top of that? Like, that doesn't even make any sense. That rice is going to cook from the bottom and that oil is just sitting on the top. This doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Because I'm looking at this and this oil is just floating. And so the oil is sitting on the top. Then there's this water and then she's going to put this rice in it. And I'm like, how on earth is any of this going to come together? in a way that possibly makes sense. And what I was saying to Corey, it was is that like our doubt to me feels like oil sitting on top of the water hmm. because your oil seems to loom overhead like it does in that pot with that rice. The oil just appears to be sitting right on top. Keeping it down. And that's how our doubt. Submerged. Yeah, that's how, our, that's how our doubt feels. It feels like oil sitting on top of water. It feels like something that cannot possibly mix, but is just looming overhead. And what Ruth did when she's making this rice, she puts this rice in, then she puts salt in because, you know, flavor. And, um... And she starts mixing everything together, and she's, like, stirring it up, and the oil's still just sitting on top, and I'm like, how is this going to be better? And so what she does, she dumps this rice in, and the rice, like, obviously starts absorbing everything. So then she she cooks it, and when everything is done, you cannot see—there's no—the rice at the top does not have more oil than the rice at the bottom. Mm -hmm. It's perfectly mixed in. And when I tell you that she made the most perfect rice I've ever had in my life, it was absolutely amazing to me. That rice is this third ingredient. That rice is what happens when we take our doubt and we present it to God. He takes that oil, he takes that water, he mixes them all together, and he creates an end product that is something so new and so beautiful and so delicious in this rice. Like, it's something that did not exist and looked like it made absolutely no sense when it was being cooked up. Let me tell you, I'm a great cook. I make great things in the kitchen. I had never seen somebody do something like that before with rice whatsoever. I've never made it a different way since because she was right. It was great. And that is just such a perfect image of what God can do when we take things that look like they don't go together at all, like faith and doubt, that look like oil and water sitting in a pot and you're like, what am I going to do with this? When you bring that third ingredient, when you bring that thing in that pulls it all together, it becomes something entirely new that you could not even have fathomed. Rachel, that was such a good word, and that was such a true word. The reality for all of us is we will struggle with doubt. Either we have struggled with doubt, either we are struggling with doubt, or we will struggle with doubt. But as Rachel was saying, like, yeah, on the other side of it is something absolutely beautiful. And the reality is doubt, again, doesn't mean you don't believe but goodness gracious doubt can be a gateway to something absolutely beautiful, which is deeper faith can be a gateway to deeper faith. And the one thing, yeah, the one thing that we can't do with our doubt is isolate ourselves 
and try to go about that alone. The reality is, first and foremost, like God is big enough to handle the whole gambit of human emotions. Mm -hmm. So God can handle our doubt, but also uh, we work that out best in community. Mm -hmm. So I would challenge you if you find yourself in that place, talk to somebody about it. Talk to one of your friends in Christ. Uh, talk to your small group leader. If you go to Third Street, talk to your huddle leader. If you talk, if you go to Citizens, talk to your village leader. If you don't go to any of those places, holler at somebody that you can talk to and work through that together. With that, that is the end of Bless Up today. So, with that, so with that, bless up and everyone remember there was dinosaur on the ark. <laughs> All right, we'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>